Hey everybody, welcome to episode 245 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, coming to you from Austin, Texas, as this summer gradually comes to a close. My three kids start school next week, so I feel like we're in this shift mode where equilibrium is about to get disrupted significantly from our summer routine to a new fall routine where school and soccer start to take over the timeline and we're eagerly prepping for that this week as things will all get turned on its head next week. I hope you are all doing well, staying safe and healthy, and I hope you're also recovering well from Olympics withdrawal. It is an official diagnosis. I am personally suffering from it after spending many of my late nights and early mornings over the last couple of weeks of weeks watching the events and now to suddenly not have it even though I'm getting more sleep, I'm definitely missing the inspiration that has come from the games this year. And today I'm going to continue my conversation I started last week where I gave you a few highlights in the intro last week, but I want to continue in this entire episode talking about some inspirations that I draw from the track and field results from this Olympic Games. So I've got five athletes that inspired me in this Olympics and some of the mental elements that I think we can draw from those examples to apply in our own training. And so that's what we'll talk about today. I'm just going to jump right in. It'll be a fairly short and sweet episode, but I've got five examples for you that were inspiring to me that I draw from to apply that inspiration in my own training. Before we get to those five, I want to just quickly remind you of some that I brought up in my intro last week because I think they're equally important to think about and remember. One would have been the Val Allman discus gold medal. If you haven't had a chance to see her gold medal winning throw, you got to go check it out. I mean, it is truly art in motion the way she spins her body, twirling in a way that seems like dance like like a ballerina in motion to hurl that discus out there and earn gold. But I'll remind you about what I read last week from our Instagram post about her use of positive self-talk and words of affirmation to put her in a position mentally to be ready to go for the gold where she would say an affirming statement, basically saying, I believe I can win. I will win to her coach in training several times a week and then she did it right before she went out for the Olympic final as well and that matters it is something I've talked about before on this show it is something that I know sounds cheesy to to many and doing it initially is very strange very cheesy but if you do it it is a way to reprogram the thoughts in your brain turn the negative ones into positive ones that will put you in the best frame of mind to be your best self out there when it matters. And so I can't stress enough that example. It works for Olympic gold medalist in Bal Ullman, and I promise you it'll work for you. So think about what that means. Think about an affirmation, a short sentence phrase that you can post on your mirror, post on your fridge, put on your car dash, and then repeat to yourself every day to program those positive thoughts into your brain. You are the one that are the only one that can come up with the right thing that resonates 
but it is absolutely a game changer if you do it. And if you're racing somewhere this fall, whether that be a marathon major or half marathon, whatever it may be, now is the time to start doing that work. Think about your affirmation, write it down, repeat it to yourself every day until your target race. It will make a difference in programming your brain to expect the best. So that's one reminder. Second one, a thing, Mo. I, I talked about her just demeanor going out there. She showed it in the 800. She showed it in the 4x4 gold medal relay that she ran with with that group. And she just seemed so relaxed, seemed to be having so much fun, even though at 19 all the world's eyes were on her and she was on the biggest stage in the sport. And to me, it, and maybe that'll change for her. I don't know. It might change over time when more expectations build or more pressure comes or when she goes back to a world championship or another Olympic Games and she's expected to repeat the same result. Maybe that will change. And so maybe there's a bit of naivete of youth here that she's able to draw from because she didn't have anything to really lose. Maybe it'll change. But I don't know. It just seems like it's embedded within her demeanor to to be relaxed, to have fun because it is just running after all. And that mentality, if you can get there, is a path to getting your best results out there. And, and, and it's hard to have that dynamic between wanting something really badly but also being able to be loose and relaxed in the moment. That is a hard balance to get. And I know from experience that sometimes when you want something so badly, it's easy to, to let that pressure build and, and turn over into stress and anxiety that prevents you from having fun and being relaxed. But you have to just remember, this is a sport. We do this for fun. For us, we pay she gets paid to do it. We pay to do what we do out on the roads. And if you have fun, if you stay relaxed, if you remember that it's just running, then that can help you ease the tension, manage the stress, and then get into that flow state that allows you to put your best foot forward. And clearly, I think Mo did that in both of her events. Third one I'll remind you about is Emma Coburn. She probably had the worst race of her life on the biggest stage. And yes, she's won medals before. So she has some things to still hang her hat on. But I can promise you that someone who is as high achieving and driven and focused, who's been working for five years to get back to this point and who expected to walk away with a medal who wasn't just hoping to walk away with a medal, who expected to walk away with the medal. And she might've even expected to walk away with the gold medal to not have that happen, to have the race play out the way it did. And for her to struggle as much as she did at the end, just to get across the line must have been devastating. And she shared as much on her Instagram. And it seemed outside looking in that she was immersing herself in those feelings 
which is absolutely important when you have failure, is to feel all the feels. She seemed like she was doing that. Now, if you watch her Instagram, it seems like she's turning the page and starting to look ahead. And as I mentioned last week, I have no doubt that she'll be back. But she showed class in failure and is going to show class when she turns that around and and does Emma Coburn things again. It will happen. And so to me, that's just a lesson that even the best among us will face failure, will have bad races, will have the worst day of our lives. And not only is there still inspiration to be given to others through those types of experience experiences, but also we're able to learn from them, process them. And if you just keep moving forward, if you just get up and go again, then better things will come. So I'm excited to see what that means for Emma Coburn. I promise you it will happen. And I'll say I told you so when it does. But it was just amazing to see her and how she dealt with that. It's At times she looks like she can do no wrong, like she's invincible out there. And typically, I mean, I, I, mean, I can, I don't even remember her having a race like she did ever. And to have that happen on the biggest stage and then to handle it the way she did and, and she will back bounce back. It's just inspiring because we're all going to face those moments too. All right. So those are three reminders, but I've got five more from you from the latter half of the action. The first one I want to talk about is actually not about athletes competing this time around, but it was, but I want to talk about the announcers, the announcers, you know, and it's common for NBC to pull former Olympians to do, to do their announcing. And, and some of them are good at it. Some of them aren't as good. That's the way things work, you know, just because you're a successful Olympian, it doesn't mean you're going to be a great announcer. But I will say that I believe the athletes that NBC has pulled for the track coverage are examples of former Olympians that are pretty damn good at their job. And I'm talking about Otto Bolden, Sonny Richard Rost, and Kara Goucher. Kara, of course, this was her first time announcing at this level. And in my opinion, maybe biased because we work together with the Clean Sport Podcast, she absolutely crushed it. But I know a lot of that came from mentorship from Sonia as well as Otto in terms of her preparation. But the thing that I have appreciate about those three in particular is that they just seem so prepared, so prepared. They know their information backwards and forwards, and they're able to draw out the storylines from the coverage that are interesting to all levels of fans. And that's hard to do, especially when you're talking about the quantity of events and athletes that we're talking about here. And I think I've always appreciated that at some level, but was able to get a little bit of a behind the scenes view of that preparation because of some of the conversations I had with Kara behind the scenes on her prep. And it just illuminated for me the mentality 
of an Olympian and how that can be applied to something else. In this case, announcing Olympians, but a different form of quote work or job from competing on the track, but yet they bring that same Olympian type mentality, one that dots all the I's, crosses all the T's, is relentless in preparation, does everything possible to be prepared for the moment so that they can put their best foot forward either to go for a medal when they were competing or in this case to tell the stories for us as fans. I got to see a window into that as I got a window into Kara's approach and preparation. And it's just, it's impressive and it's a reminder to me of the hard work required to be at that level and the difference in the mentality that it takes to be at that level. And that's not to say that those of us who are everyday athletes can't bring that same mentality to the sport ourselves in our own endeavors. But for me, it just shines a spotlight on the differentiation there of that Olympic medalist or Olympic finalist mentality. It is a step above. And even the most committed of us as everyday runners likely still aren't thinking about it like the the Olympic athlete probably is. But I think we can still be inspired by it. And of course there are differences there. For them it's a full at that time when they're competing, it's a full time job. And so they're they have the ability to give it time and mind share that obviously most of us can't because we've got other things to balance in life. But there's a standard there, a bar there that is just extremely high. And it shines a spotlight for me, at least on some of the areas in my life where I could have a higher bar for myself not necessarily in an overwhelming way, but just in more of a, a positive, approachable way of if I was a little more buttoned up in this area, then I would be better on my path to my goals. And I get it. We all have to have balance, and I'm not suggesting that we need to train with the same intensity of an Olympian necessarily or that we're not worthy of that either. I'm just saying that seeing that mentality firsthand through Kara's preparation just shined a spotlight for me on the mentality that it takes to compete at that highest level and how she was then bringing that to her announcing. And it was inspiration for me on how I can be sharper, how I can raise the bar for myself not only in my running, but also in my work life, in my family life, I can raise the bar. And it doesn't have to be across the board. It can be targeted. It can be a few little areas where I give myself a little bit more focus, a little bit higher bar. But that that was inspiring for me. When I think I'm tapped out, when I've done everything I can, if I really reflect, if I'm really honest with myself and I apply that lens of 
what would an Olympic mentality be? Then there's always areas where I could be sharper. And that's not to say I'm going to focus or address all of them because that would be too much for me. But it does mean that I can take a few areas and tighten things up. So that was one bit of inspiration that I gathered from this Olympics is just the mentality, the preparation of those that, that did their work on the announcing side. I appreciated that very much. Of course, I was a little frustrated at times with the organization of coverage for track by NBC because they had different announcers for morning and evening. And sometimes they went to commercial in an inopportune times, all the standard things we get frustrated about. But I do appreciate the announcers that they brought to bear. So that's the first one. Just that Olympic mentality as evidenced by the preparation of the announcing team. The second one I've got to talk about, of course, is the great Allison Felix. The great Allison Felix. And obviously she won her 10th and 11th medals in her Olympic career, getting bronze in the 400 and gold in the 4x4. So now she's the most decorated American Olympian in track ever. She also is still, was before and is still the most decorated track and field athlete, male or female, of all time across all global championships as she now has 30, 30 global championship medals across the Olympics, 11, 18 from the world champs outdoors and one indoor world champ medal. So 30 total medals, 21 gold, six silver three bronze, just an unbelievable record going all the way back to 2004 in Athens. And there's so much to be, I think, gained from watching her career. First of all, I want to say that she's an athlete that I think we can believe in. She's, she's done amazing things at the highest level, but I believe in her as a clean athlete. We've interviewed her for the Clean Sport Collective podcast. I think if you look at her trajectory, her career, the way she's talked has talked about doping, how she's advocated for doping, what she's participated in from a testing perspective. She was a part of Project Believe in the 2008 Olympics where she had even more testing than other athletes so that she could prove that she's the real deal. And so she's an athlete that is now a legend, the the most decorated track and field athlete of all time, male or female, and she's an athlete that you can believe in. So that just proves that you can do things the right way and still inspire and still bring home medals. So that's the obvious thing, you know, is, is her approach to the sport and the integrity that she brings. The thing that struck me, though, watching her this time around, especially as you saw her being interviewed through the rounds and is this idea that she always seems to operate within herself, always seems to operate within herself. And obviously she's an amazing talent, a generational talent. That is for certain. But beyond that, and the stuff that we haven't seen is the work behind the scenes with her legendary coach, Bobby Kersey. But it seems like through the rounds, through the events themselves, and then if you listen to her talk about her training, it seems like, yes, she works hard. 
but the success she's had, the consistency that she's had from 2004 till, till now seems to be related to someone who has done all the little things consistently. Who, someone who has avoided the big, massive efforts. And I'm sure she does massive workouts that are, that are hard, but she seems to always be so measured in her approach, in her conversations. And so I imagine her as this type of athlete who worked very hard, who dotted all the I's, crossed all the T's, but who more than anything always stayed within her own ability. Didn't press the edges too much so that she would fall over and go overboard. And that, I believe, is what has contributed to her long-term consistency in the sport and her long-term success in the sport, in addition to, obviously, to her major talent. And so for me, the inspiration from Allison Felix is that if you want to have long-term success, however you want to define that for you, then it's not about the big workouts. It's not about the major hardcore efforts where you go to the limit and beyond. It's actually about just that consistent run-of-the-mill work, those easy recovery runs done consistently, those easy long runs done consistently, those workouts where you stopped a couple, one or two reps short so that you didn't put yourself over the edge and get injured, so that you could then be consistent and come back the next week and do another workout within your ability. That's where the magic is in long-term success because if you stay within yourself, not only will it lead to results if you keep working consistently over time, but it'll also keep you healthy and happy and maintain your ability to have longevity in the sport and so to see her have the ability to compete from 04 to 2021 across five olympic games earning 11 olympic medals 30 total global championship medals i attribute that to that mentality that measured approach and you see it in the rounds you see how measured she is with her effort at at each point in the rounds so that she can put everything into that final when it counts and she did it again this time earned the bronze and is going to be inspiring a generation of athletes of women of mothers for many years to come and even though she said this would be her last olympics i suspect we'll still comp- see her competing some more i suspect we'll see her in the world champs next year if she's able to to make it but she'll still be on that whenever she decides to hang up the spikes spikes be inspiring athletes women mothers for years to come so hats off to allison felix She is a true legend and a legend that you can believe in and certainly learn from. But think about her measured approach when you're out there doing your own work. All right, next, let's talk about Elliot Kipchoge. Elliot Kipchoge, men's marathon gold medalist, back-to-back gold medalist. He's the most decorated men's marathoner of all time. He's competed in 13 major marathons across major global marathons, 
and obviously a couple of Olympic games, and he's won 11 out of 13. The only two he didn't win were the Berlin Berlin Marathon in 2013, where he ran 204.05, but lost, got second place to world record-setting Wilson Kipsang, who finished first in that race. And then, of course, London last year, where... Things just didn't go right for him at all. He ended up he ended up finishing eighth in a pedestrian for him, two oh six forty nine. So he's won eleven out of thirteen major marathons, including two Olympic golds, and seemingly makes it look easy. The way he dispatched the group after after Rupp was frustrating him by stepping on his heels. The way he just pulled away and effortlessly ran to the line, increasing that lead all the way. And he had negative splits by 5K all the way through to the end, by the way. Just amazing. And his his smile, his efficiency out there, the way he looks so smooth and relaxed is just unbelievably inspiring. But again, you have someone, kind of like Allison Felix, who has had long-term success I mean, he was winning 5,000 meter world championships when he was 18 years old against the great El Garouge and Canicia Bukele. So he's been doing this for a long time. And when I think about that, I'm reminded about the fact that he's actually worked with his coach, Patrick Sang, since he was 16 years old, essentially doing the same consistent work since he was 16 years old and when you put that in perspective as as someone who has not had a bunch of major injuries and who's been able to string together now 20 plus years of consistent work under the same coach then it starts to make sense why he has the success that he's had and again going back to my conversation about Allison Felix and he's had this just consistent measured approach if you look at his training and he's published his training at various times. There's nothing crazy there. There's nothing out of this world. He's not doing anything secret or that is something that no one else can do. He's just simply executing a consistent training approach, and he's been doing it since he was 16 years old with the same coach. But the thing for me that's inspiring about Kipchoge is his humility in the work because as someone who has had such success winning 11 out of 13 major marathons he's got another two victories if you count the two sub two efforts first man under sub two hours world record holder in the marathon two Olympic golds 11 major championship wins he has a lot of reasons to bring ego to the equation or to perhaps rest on his laurels because of that success. But I've never had the sense ever that he's done that. And in fact, every time you see him show up, it seems like he has done all the preparation, not just the physical side of the preparation, but also the mental side of the preparation in a way that you would expect from someone who had never won before but was just hungry to win. So he approaches, it seems, every race like that. 
like he's never won, but he's hungry to win. And so, and he brings that humility to the work. And if you've read up or seen any of the coverage on his training camp, he and his team go away from their families to a high altitude training camp there in Kenya. And the athletes manage the camp. They help with the cooking. They help with the cleaning. They help with cleaning out the toilets. They do the work. And Kipchoge is one of dozens of athletes at that camp who, and by the way, Faith, Faith Kipyagon also works under, who won the 1500 gold meter gold medal, also works with the same coach in Patrick Sang and, and finds her time, or spends some time at that camp as well. But the athletes manage it, do the work, and, and Kipchoge is no different than anybody else when he's there in terms of the commitment and the work done and the investment made in supporting the team through that camp. And yet he has all these accolades, has the financial success, and still puts together that work as if none of it exists. And that to me is impressive. That ability to work with humility, no matter what. No matter the ups, no matter the downs, always putting in the same work. And then, of course, the results follow. I think Bekele is sort of the opposite, actually, especially once he came to the marathon. He's that athlete who's had success but isn't willing to put in that humble work for whatever reason. And, hey, he doesn't have to. That's his right. If he chooses not to, it's fine. It's okay. He owes us nothing. But I can tell you I'm more inspired by Kipchoge and his ability to keep showing up in spite of all of the accolades and show up as if he's never done it before at all. And I don't know if you saw some of the extended coverage on the marathon, but he was there at the finish line congratulating everybody that came across. And he's that type of champion. The sports, he's a sportsman in victory. He was a sportsman in defeat last year in London. And the humble work to me is extremely inspiring. So there you go. Not my number three inspiration for this discussion. Number four, I want to talk about another steeplechaser, Courtney Frericks. Courtney Frericks. She, of course, made the race in the steeplechase with about a mile to go and just pushed the pace, went to the front, really kind of blew the race open and had a pretty good lead going into those final couple of laps. Of course, the move would cost her a little bit as she ended up getting passed in the final lap by the Ugandan athlete and finishing with her first Olympic silver medal. She has now a silver from the Olympics to go with her silver from the world championships But this version, this race, to me, was inspiring because of the contrast that it showed with her typical style. She, in the World Championships in 2017, when she won her first medal, she followed Emma Coburn essentially the entire race. And there was a point where she made a little bit of a move late but mostly that race was dictated by others and she followed her way to a silver medal in that race nothing wrong with that approach at all but it was just different 
And typically that's also been an approach she's taken in prior Olympic trials or Olympic championships as well is to largely follow Emma and react to what she's doing to earn her own spot. In this case, she took the race by the horns, set the tone, was fearless in the move she made. And it was clearly a move that she and her coaches, Jerry and Shalane and Pascal had planned. And so this was something that they had prepared for, something that they believed in would give her the best chance to get a medal. And she executed it flawlessly. And there was even a comment from the commentator that perhaps she had gone too early, that she made a mistake, that she miscounted the laps, at least from the live commentator. And so there was a thought that maybe this was too big of a move that far out, but clearly she knew what she was doing. It was planned, but then you still have to go do it. You still have to go do it. You still have to be fearless in executing that plan. And it was just really cool to see how being bold sometimes can play off or can play out. I wanted to read from her Instagram a post that she put out there after coming back from the games. And she said, a big change I made this year, thanks to some strong nudges from those around me, was to really start to address the mental side of things again. After success with this early in my pro career, I got away from it after a few good results. I was connected with an incredible therapist who has helped me to grow so much as an athlete in person. I stood on the starting line of the Olympics, the most confident, confident and happiest version of myself to date. We decided that my mantra for this race would be belong. I wore a small temporary tattoo on my wrist to go along with my fearless bracelet as a reminder to not only race fearlessly, but that I belonged in that race. So those are amazing words to me. One of the things I've observed as a coach and as someone who's been exposed and talked to and interviewed athletes that compete at high levels, as well as, of course, I work with a lot of athletes that are everyday runners who are just out there trying to earn their own PRs and get marathons done and things like that. I've seen the spectrum. But one thing I can promise you is common between both that Olympic athlete and that everyday runner is doubt and imposter syndrome and feeling like you don't belong. For the Olympians, Courtney Ferricks, who has a silver medal, by the way, already has a silver medal from the world champs. For her to say, I was struggling with feeling like I belong, that I deserve to be here, that I deserve to put myself in a position to medal, that's real. Believe me, she's not making that up. That's real. That's something, that's a challenge that she faces or faced. And we all face those same challenges. I know all the time people come to me and they say, I'm not a runner or I'm too slow to, to do X or there's no way I could ever run this time. I'm not that good of an athlete or I'm too slow. We all have doubts. We all have imposter syndrome. We all at times struggle with whether or not we belong going for the goals that we're going for. All of us do. There is, that is a common denominator, I promise. And so for me, as an athlete who struggles with that in my own ways, to see that from an Olympian is one, just reassuring. It reminds me that we're all facing it in some form. But two, there's inspiration to, to be found from how she dealt with it. Working with a therapist, we all could use 
access to therapy, regardless of what you might be facing in life or what doubts you might be facing in sport. So she sought the advice and help of others, and then she put it to work in the form of a mantra that helped her reinforce that positive message. This is kind of like the self-talk I talked about with Valerie Allman. This, I would say, is more of a, that was more of an affirmation. This was more of a mantra in that single word that she could use in the middle of the early part of that race. I belong. I belong. I belong making the move I'm about to make. And I can back it up. And she did. She did. She did it fearlessly. So she brought that confidence for, to bear from doing the work, from putting that work into a mantra, from repeating that mantra to herself, and it played out with the silver medal. Now, to me, that's inspiring whether or not she got the silver medal. But either way, that's something to draw from. Again, we're all facing that same doubt, that same question, that same form of imposter syndrome. It's just manifesting in a different form for you than it did for her. So one, know that you do belong. Two, do the work, whatever that looks like, seeking outside help or just working on it yourself via affirmations and mantras that reinforce that point that you belong. And then when you show up on the start line, be confident and put that mantra or those mantras to work because when you do that, when you put all of those pieces together, the physical training with the mental training to build confidence, that's when magic can happen. And Courtney Frerichs is an example of that. So shout out to her. It was inspiring to see that result. It was inspiring to see how she celebrated too, just how excited she was. All right. So that was my inspiration. Number four, number five, to wrap up this discussion, of course, goes from perhaps the my favorite medalist of the games, my favorite event to watch, which was the women's marathon. Molly Seidel got it done with the bronze medal in what seemed like similar fashion to how she raced the trials in just absolutely fearless fashion. Absolutely fearless fashion. And I loved what she said in her post-race interview where they asked what asked her what the plan was going in. And she said, look, my plan was simply to put my nose where it didn't belong. She talked about in another interview where she said she just wanted the other women, those other sub 220 women to be asking themselves, who is this girl? <laughs> so it's interesting to me, whereas Courtney was, convincing herself that she belonged and then that gave her the confidence to go to make that move and and go for the silver or gold molly almost played it the other way where she almost took the pressure off of herself by saying look i don't really belong up here but because of that because no one is expecting anything from me many people said that the U.S. didn't really necessarily have a chance for a medal. She played that to her advantage. And she said, look, I got no pressure. I'm going to stick more my, my nose where it doesn't belong. I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to make some moves late in this race. 
to make these women wonder who the hell is this woman. And she did it. She did it fearlessly. She stuck her nose into it without regard to what might happen at the end. And sure enough, it paid off. All of the work paid off, the physical, the mental. And she was there at the end, not too far behind gold, earning her bronze medal in what was just an amazing moment where she was screaming at the starting line. Kara announcing was getting emotional and choked up as she was announcing it. And of course, all of us at home were tearing up and, and or celebrating in our own ways. I know personally I was emotional and I was tearing up watching it, just watching that inspiration play out because again, and they made a big deal out of it. It's only her third marathon. Yes. But she's raced that way in all of her races. Just fearless has put her nose in it regardless of the event and that's cool to see. It's also cool to me if you go back to her backstory. She was a footlocker, national cross country champion. She's now the first Olympian, Olympic medalist, sorry, to have been a footlocker national champion, which kind of shows you that how you perform in high school doesn't necessarily translate to the pro stages, but she's now the first footlocker champion to win an NCAA cross country title and then to win an Olympic gold medalist. Pretty cool. She's also faced her own ups and downs as many of us know as she took a break in the years prior to the Olympic trials to work on her mental health, to face the eating disorder that she was facing and the OCD that she was facing. And she took that time to work through those things before coming back. And I I don't think it's right to gloss over that at all because those are both serious things and they're also things that, that people deal with over the long term. They're not necessarily solved and behind you, but it's it's great to see her work on that independent of her sport and then be able to come back to her sport and have success. So hats off to Molly Seidel for racing fearlessly. And so to me, as I try to take that mentality and apply it in my running and how I think about coaching, I am someone personally who's very measured, who does stay within himself, who always has a plan to execute on race day. And those things are all important. I'm not minimizing those things. But at the same time, Sometimes you have to be willing to stick your nose where it doesn't belong and see what happens. Give yourself that ability at times to step outside yourself and learn and see what happens. This could have blown up in Molly's face and she would have learned from it and that would have informed her ability to perhaps have success down the road. It didn't. That's amazing. But either way, it's inspiring. Perhaps it's more visible and inspiring because you got the medal. But I just appreciate the fearlessness of her approach. That ability to to sort of flip that imposter syndrome on its head and say, sure, maybe people say I don't belong, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to show up anyway. 
I'm going to put my nose in it anyway. I'm going to see what happens anyway. And sure enough, she's an Olympic medalist. Now one of only three U.S. women to have a marathon medal, including the great Dina Castor and the great Joan Benoit Samuelson. So that is rarefied air that she's in. And it was just inspiring and cool to see her fearlessness pay off. So kudos to Molly on that. And I'm sure I'm not alone in being inspired by that moment. All right. So that's all I have for you today. Those were five moments from the Olympics that really inspired me. Five athletes from the Olympics that inspired me and my version of how you can translate some of those inspirational moments into applying it in your own running. Because as I said in talking about Courtney, we're all more similar than you might think. Yes, the paces are different. Yes, the mileage they run might be different. Yes, the stage they compete on and the goals might be different. But I promise you, the feelings, the doubts, the anxieties, the fears, the ups, the downs, they're the same. They feel the same, whether you're an Olympian or whether you're just going for a personal best in a local road race. It's the same. We're all connected by those things. And so when I watch these events, that's the lens through which I see these things so that I can then translate that into my own running and training and then translate and communicate that to you guys and translate that and communicate to the athletes that I coach. So I'm hopeful that giving you a window into my thought process there will allow you to see some of those things for yourself and be inspired in other ways. So we'll wrap this episode here. Thanks as always for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.